0: just a quick word from our affiliates before we jump into the episode SafePoint loan working app is a really simple way for you to manage loan working utilizing what free words to get you pinpoint accuracy on the location of your people when you really need it get yourself a discount using a link and code in the description of this episode let's jump into today's podcast what's up guys welcome back to rebranding safety rebranding safety is the health and safety podcast and youtube channel doing exactly what it says on the tin we're here to challenge the perception and to challenge those health and safety gone mad practices and we do that on youtube by providing you with tips and tools and hopefully short videos and by having in-depth conversations on this podcast coming up to new year so happy new year to everybody i hope you had an amazing christmas or if you don't celebrate christmas i hope you had some time off work or whatever and just got time to spend time with friends and family i hope you enjoyed it if you did if you didn't and you're at work then i hope you enjoyed work just as much in today's podcast we're splitting this episode over two so technically this is episode one of two and we're having a guest that was our second ever guest on our podcast David McLean so make sure you go and check out the original podcast granted the audio quality is probably not as good but go back and listen to it and hopefully you'll have a little bit of like an introduction as to what we're going to talk about today today we're going to go over the same system but kind of delve in a bit deeper so make sure you check out David's original podcast listen to episode one of this little two part series and then go check out the next one next week with David as well this is all about kind of creating positive change and I think personally it's really important that we know ourselves before we kind of run our business. So before we even start trying to change what we do at work or what we do in our own businesses, I think it's important that we know ourselves and we if that positive change kind of starts at home with us. Um, so I really think it's important that you kind of look at this from two aspects professional and personal as well. And I think if you do that, the kind of things that David's talking about could really enact positive change in your lives. You know, a couple of stuff we'll talk about today and in the next podcast um I've enacted in my life, I've implemented in my life, I've implemented the the wife's implemented some of it as well, granted not all of it, but we took these little things that we'll talk about and i Feel that they're making a difference So I hope you get some value for this I hope you enjoy it Without further ado Let's get into the podcast Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success We and an regime of health and safety regulations A huge fire engulfs a tower block
1: Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school Worst oil field disaster 164 dead
0: Rebranding safety the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Wrist Fluent and your host, James McPherson. All right, David, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you back. We were um, guest number two, actually. So this is like, mm. and, and we've only just actually gone over a year. I think the, the podcast started, I think it was like 2nd of December. So it's mm. like a... Um, I don't know. Come, no, not coming of age. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's uh, <laughs> nice to, it's <laughs> know nice what to you mean. bring it back round. Um, so, so we kind of did a helicopter view, I suppose, of your kind of uh, your kind of model. Um, um in the yeah. first podcast and I, and I hope today we'll probably kind of go into a bit more in depth there, but why for those let 's just assume people haven't listened to that first podcast and give yourself a bit of an introduction and obviously, if anybody wants sure. to we'll we'll link the original podcast in the description as well, yeah, yeah,
1: sure well, so david mclean obviously um uh, and I've been involved in psychology, psychotherapy, involved in helping people, i suppose and um, for the last ten years. Um, that uh, starting from the top if you like uh, is, is the business that we're working with just now um, in terms of a DRM group and what we are doing we help businesses help individuals create lasting positive change and that's through mental health mental well-being and resilience and performance we work in businesses around the UK so a little bit just a bit, a bit of that into context why do I know all this stuff where's all this come from so uh, originally, um, I was a Royal Marine, Royal Marines Commando, for uh, 14 years, um, and then and when I left there, I studied psychology, became a psychotherapist, and that's where my kind of understanding of all this comes from, my understanding of, of who people are, my understanding of human behaviour, and why we behave in the way we do, why we don't change even though we, when we want to, and that's a big, a big bit about what we're talking about today. What are these things that hold people back and why they don't, why they don't create change? Doing that in a clinical setting, um, doing that for therapists, therapeutic associations uh, as a lecturer, as a senior lecturer as well, uh, as a supervisor, etc. So so yeah, plenty of background there. But this business, which we're talking about now, DRM Group, is about three years old. And as I say, we specifically help individuals and businesses, of course, and create change within the individuals so they become more productive, more motivated, earn more money, more happy.
0: Um, and then better businesses generally Mm. I just find it from a a layman's point of view I just think that Mm -hmm. like our our work kind of reflects how we are at the moment like personally my work is a lot better when I'm in a lot better frame of mind more motivated etc I'm a man of extremes me so like if I'm Mm -hmm. demotivated I'm like so demotivated there's no in between with me um whereas well like my wife can be demotivated but still put like a good uh, a good amount of effort in me no. mm, yeah, i just feel it's actually yeah. it's kind of important like some people might think might might be listening and being like well you know this this it, the podcast it doesn't suit what we're talking about in, in the overall picture of the podcast being a health and safety Podcast put it in quotations, but like I think it starts with ourselves as well. Like, so if I was to own a business, that business would be essentially be a reflection of me, and my management would be a reflection of me. So I think it's important, like, that it starts at home or it starts with us.
1: Would you agree? Yeah, oh, 100%. And of course, as often, it's, it's a strange one, but you'll know this better than I do. But health and safety really often talks about safety its health um, and, and, and you know there's there's two parts to that but also and, and I'm doing this by quite a few companies I'm working with at the moment are starting to realize and starting to understand that if it's the foundations of human behavior that creates safety problems It's the foundations of human behavior it's decision-making or lack of it it's are you, are you, are you clearly thinking in your mind uh, are you Do you suffer from ears? in other words, are you having problems at home or other things that are kind of weighing down your mind which you just stopping you making the right decisions? And we do a lot of work with insurance companies, actually, insurance mm. brokers. And of course, they're looking to reduce claims quite quite rightly. And they're starting to realize, and, and I've just been a big uh, multinational today, I actually signed up a contract, hopefully quite soon with them. And they're really realizing that the, the end result is, is the problems with the safety or the problems in the health, absolutely. But the way that I described it to him is that thoughts create feelings, feelings create actions and actions produce results. Mm. So it's all exactly down to how are you thinking exactly at the type of thing that you were just saying there. What are the thought patterns? So in other words, are the thought patterns negative? Are you fed up? Are they, oh God, nobody likes me, my boss hates me, you know, this job's rubbish. And then of course the thoughts create feelings and those feelings are not very good. In other words, they're not creating the chemicals that are making you feel better, serotonin, endorphins. What they're doing is they're creating either no chemicals at all, which is why you're flat, um, or they're creating adrenaline and cortisol, which puts you on edge and makes you panicky and, and, and not making right decisions. Then, of course, the actions that happen there um, are not right. Either you're not doing any actions, or you're not doing the actions that are necessary, or you're not taking enough care over the, uh, the, the actions that you're making, and that's when mistakes are made. And of course, ultimately, then the results then speak for themselves. Mm. Positively speaking, um, of course, when you're thinking positively, um, as you say, your, your your wife or other people, yourself, whoever, when you're starting to think positive, do you know what, actually, this is quite good. You know, it's not their fault, whatever it may well be. And of course, you start to feel better. And of course, what does that really mean? You're creating serotonin, endorphins, all these different chemicals, making yourself feel a lot better, a lot better version of yourself. Mm. When you do that, you do different things, you act differently, you've got a more rational mind, you're more clear minded, you're more easy going in that sense, so you get better results. So it really is everything is our thoughts, so it's, and it underpins everything. And um, so, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I think it's so important. I think, like, if we listen, we did a podcast with Jason Anker, and he said he'd gone through that transition. Now, working with people like Tim Marshall, they're starting to realize actually, if we focus on the well-being of our people and the well-being of ourselves, everything else just kind of follows. Which, which again, is yeah. kind of just to kind of bring it into context as to why we we're going to talk about your your kind of six principles. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> let, let's let's kind of start then. So, with those kind of six principles, like how, and you probably nearly touched on it there about how the brain works and stuff like that, but like what what are the overall summary, you know, like the contents page of the six summaries we're going to talk about and, and how does that kind of help our brain do what it needs to sure. do?
1: Sure, of course, yeah. So there's six key principles uh, and they are kind of split into two, if you like, the first three uh, and the second three. The first three are more about um, what's the problem in the brain, as I say, that I use often. Change is simple, it's just not necessarily an easy thing to do. And again, I think I mentioned that uh, probably on our our, our first podcast. Mm. We know if you need to lose a little bit of weight, you just exercise a little bit more and eat a little bit less or eat a little bit more healthily. Everybody knows that. Of course, there's uh, there's a large obesity problem in the UK. Um, you know, there, there can be different things left and right of scope, of course, but generally people understand that. Again, people that work or that at a job, you might know some of them, or you certainly heard it before, you know, people who keep on at these jobs, keep doing what they want, keeping this place that they don't want to be, keeping this employment that they don't want to be, and they know that it's quite simple to change. There's jobs out there, but for some reason, something stops them. Um, so, anyway, the first three, as I say, is about that aspect. And then the, the second three um, is more about what we're going to do about it. What are the actual things that you need to put in place? So the first one is the evolution response. I'll also go through these in, in detail as we talk about them. So but just the evolution response, understanding why the brain um, eh, works the way that it does, understanding why, excuse me, there is... a. Uh, that feeling and understanding that we should be doing better, but we're not doing better. What's going on in that big old brain of yours that's stopping you um, perform to, to the way that you should be? And why is evolution get anything to do with that? The, the analogy of the stress bucket, very simply, full stress bucket means you're not functioning well, which means there could be problems at work. Empty stress bucket means you have lots of control and you are functioning well. So it's all about why do you fill it up and, and how to empty it. Belief. Fear and decision making, they're all in kind of one in point three. Uh, understanding what, how important belief is, what it's all about, understanding um, the, the, the principle of fear and why that holds everybody back, virtually everybody um, back. It's in many different guises, but holds us all back. And the importance of decision making and how to do that within uh, a clear mind. That's the first three, and then on to the second three, number four. Um, the three Ps, which I've spoke about before with you um, on the, the, the previous podcast, which is positive thinking, physical activity, and positive interaction. Understanding why these key principles we've been doing in this form, or more or less this form, for about 1.5 million years, so we're kind of quite good at it, and why we, for some reason, the intellectual animals that we are, why we pay lip service to it today. And small changes, marginal gains. Marginal gains is a, is a it's a term that was coined by a gentleman called Sir Dave Brailsford uh, a good few years ago um, and I'll explain more about that when we get there but it's really about the importance of small changes and how to create momentum moving forward and then finally ending in point six with repetition the importance of repetition why well, it can be a little bit boring at times but the importance <laughs> of it and why it's so vitally important as every other point is but it's so vitally important if you're going to create the change uh, and uh, the freedom, if you like, in, in the life that
0: you want. No, I, I remember, we, we did touch briefly on, on a few of those, and I remember particularly a couple mm. marginal gains, stress bucket, yeah. and the three P's probably stuck quite quite heavily with me, but we'll, we'll talk about them for sure. So how, how does it kind of, how does it kind of like, how, well, how does our brain work, essentially? Like, what what's going on in here you talked about like um, adrenaline and cortisol and and all those kind of chemical things but from for us to kind of i I don't know for me it helps to understand how it works just that's how i kind of learn um of course yeah yeah so
1: if you can imagine a picture of the brain everybody can pretty much do that or a picture of a, a head sort of side on and we very roughly split that in half very, very roughly. But for ease here, what you want to kind of imagine is there's an imaginary line that sits across the middle of the brain. The top half is the intellectual part. It's the, it's the bit that sets apart for pet animals or dogs. It's a bit that are young, very young, two, three, four year old children certainly have, but they'll use it very often. And then the lower parts of the brain is the kind of the primitive emotional part of the brain. It's the, the old, the limbic system or the, the the, the chimp brain, again, all these different sort of terms, the reptile brain that you can have heard of perhaps <laughs> before. And it's and the bit that's sort of there um, primarily for our survival. So if we want to go back to the top area of the brain, the, the, the front of the brain here sits the prefrontal cortex. Again, we're not going to get too technical here, but just technical enough so we can get a bit of an understanding. But the prefrontal cortex that sits at the front of the brain here is the conscious part. It's the bit that allows us to have this interaction now, the bit that allows you to be aware of what's going on round about your life, to, uh, rationale, etc. And at the moment, it's attached to this lovely, vast intellectual resource, which is the rest of the, the top area of the brain, and that's the intellectual cortex. Now, it is subconscious. So, front of brain conscious, rear of brain subconscious. In other words, we're consciously aware here. The rest of the brain, we're not consciously aware. But when we're working from this part of the brain, and we're consciously aware, and we're attached to the top area of the brain, We're generally getting things right in life. We're generally making good decisions, and they're generally very positive. And in terms of making change, you know, we're we're motivated. If we're at work, we're motivated, we're happy, we're in control, we're doing all the things that we need to be doing. And That's fantastic, of course, and that's where we want to be, and that's where we want to be uh, at all times. Now, unfortunately, today in modern society, we've got another part of the brain, the original primitive emotional part that kind of sits in the, the lower half of the brain. Um, And it has a few areas in it, the the amygdala, uh, the fight, flight, freeze area that you might have heard of, some of your listeners and viewers might have heard of before, Um, the kind of little fire officer, if you like, of the brain, it's something that takes over when you're you're in danger, it's associated with two other very primitive parts the hippocampus, which is the kind of little library of the brain. Uh, it stores all of the inappropriate thoughts and behavioral patterns and, and experiences. So when things are stored in there, we're, we're emotionally attached to them, the arguments, perhaps disagreements, things that happened before, relationships that failed, and all these different things that, that could perhaps stuck in there. And we'll obviously come on to this, but the hippocampus basically is the stress bucket. That's what we'll come on to next, but that's what that is. And the hypothalamus, it regulates chemical responses along with the protruded land and, and a few other bits and pieces. So, what I'd like to explain to you, you can imagine that you leave where you are today and you're just about to jump in the car or whatever you're doing, you're around this crazy wild man or this drunk person or something that's outside and he's about to attack you. Well, what's going to happen? Well, anxiety levels are going to go up, aren't they? Stress levels are going to go up. And what's going to happen is you're going to move from this calm, relaxed top half of the bed, this easygoing, relaxed, calm, etc. And you're going to move down into lower regions of the brain, the survival aspect. The is going to step in, and you're going to go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. Now, under those crazy, ridiculous circumstances, you'd be entirely appropriate, wouldn't it? In fact, you'd be quite pleased about it. But this is a key point, though, James, is that it's exactly the same in life. When the anxiety levels go up, when the stress levels go up, fill up your bucket, which we'll talk about more, of course. When these levels go up you start to not be able to live so much in that higher area of the brain and you start to move down into lower regions as kind of live down in the lower, lower regions of the brain. And unfortunately at the lower region of the brain you can only work within the parameters of what we now term as depression, anxiety or anger. So. There's the three areas, and you might be well saying some of, of course, you or the, the viewers and the, and the listeners might be saying, well, I've never suffered from depression. I get a bit panicky sometimes, but, you know, I've not anxiety attacks. But what we need to recognise as well, it's a sliding scale at its absolute worst, it's clinical depression, you know, the over the head, blinds down and don't go outside. Or, or severe panic attacks, or, or from an anger point of view, you know, tremendous road rage, you've seen it, people get out of cars shouting mm. at people, you know, that kind of craziness, you know, that, that's high level, and it may well have happened to you or to other people. But what we want to recognise is it's on a sliding scale. So if, if zero is the lowest and 10 is the best, then, of course, the sliding scale down towards that is also what can be feeling. So what's, what's depression? Well, or what's the sliding scale to depression? Mm. It's lethargy. Fed up, lack of energy in general, no get up and go, can't be bothered, don't want to try anything new, don't want to visit friends, can hardly get out of your bed, they're on time and when you do it, it's a struggle. All these type of things on the same sort of area because you're working a bit too much in the lower regions of the brain when you want to. Again, anxiety, full-blown anxiety, panic attacks is one thing that what else is on that scaling that people might sort of suffer from? Well, just feeling a little bit on edge, just feeling a little bit tight chesty, just not quite feeling yourself, not having the confidence to go and do new things. You know, you should be doing more public speaking, but you've not quite got it within you at the moment. I used to be able to do that, but I can't now or whatever these different things are. That kind of feeling that it kind of lowers down your self-worth, your self-confidence and self-esteem. And as I say, anger, you know, it doesn't have to be crazy um, jumping out cars and things. It can be that sharpness you have, usually with loved ones or, or mm-hmm. friends or colleagues. That kind of, that, that 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 way that you are in your mind that, um, that ultimately, of course, because we're nice people, we actually get quite upset and annoyed about it. But it's that sharpness um, acting before you think. So it's good to kind of recognize that and, and just sort of see that because when you are getting more stress, and we'll talk about that in a moment, also the next point in the stress bucket, and, you know why do you move into that lower part of the brain but what we want to do is remain in the higher areas of the brain again we can talk about that more as we go on but um yeah is that making sense
0: definitely definitely and, and i suppose you're kind of um and correct me if i'm wrong but like so so the, the example i was trying to think of was like say for example someone's in a in a job that they're, they're, they don't like you know it's, it's creating those those negative situations making us live in the lower part of our brains, etc. Um, and and it's slightly out of their control to to change that stuff. So you know, it's, it takes time to change a job sometimes. And you know? the thing yeah. that your kind of six six principles is 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 that kind of how I think about it when we first spoke about it. Kind of like taking control of themselves, even though the job is out of their control, they can yeah. kind of help themselves yeah. move up into the, the higher part of their brain and, and still be calm about it. Because sometimes I find yeah. that like, so, so me, for example, quite emotional. So if, or I feel like I'm an emotional person anyway. Mm. So like, yeah, it, no, it, true. it's like, if, if I've kind of, you know, a job, I don't like a job or something like that. So it's out of my control, but I, I want to jump. You know, I'm, a, I'm definitely a flight person, not a fight person. Yeah. Um, so so is that a kind of your six principles before we kind of get into them? It's that kind of way of just being yeah. able to stop, take a breath and look at this from a logical point of view. Is that right?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And um, logical brain is the top half. Easy going, seeing things for what they are, putting them into perspective, dealing with things easily. And I know if you're not there, it's like, well, yeah, that would be brilliant. I um, understand that. And when you're not there, it's understanding, this is what we talk about, understand how to get back there. Um, and, and what to do to make sure you are back there. But what we need to do as well is create coping mechanisms and, and resilience. And they, again, we've been doing this forever. We tend to think that this is a new thing. And, and in principle, it's been the same as, for, um, for hundreds of thousands of years. Um, but it's creating coping mechanisms and allowing you to be, to doing the things to, that allows you to raise up to the higher levels of your mind which is a confident place, which is a place which allows you to be that better version of you. So, um, so yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. So let's get, let's get into that then. So step one on, on your kind of principles, you've got the evolutionary response, is that correct? Mm. So Mm. what does that look like?
1: Well, it's basically obviously what we've just explained there in terms of the brain, and there, there is a little bit more to it as well, but the vast majority of it is how the brain works. That's oh, okay. that's really yeah. what the evolution response is. However, the, the, there's one key aspect, though, which you're absolutely right, there's one key aspect that we want to kind of bring in, just to, so that people start to understand, because people go, why am I not changing? Yeah. Why am I not, you know, I'm an intellectual person. I'm married or I'm not married, you know what I mean? I'm an adult, I hold down, a, I'm a manager, I'm doing this job or, you know, whatever it is. Mm. You know, I've been on this earth for 30, 40, 50 years. You
0: just feel I stuck, know what I'm okay. doing.
1: Yeah, exactly. You feel yeah. stuck. So given the understanding of, of how the brain works, which you have done, of course, and the evolutionary spot. response. So really what I'm meaning by that is that we need to understand that this has been the consciousness subconscious. So consciously, prefrontal cortex to the front here, we have one, two, three, something, four actions a second. Subconsciously, which is the rest of the brain at the top and the bottom, all subconscious, we have up to 40,000 actions a second. Mm. So we need to recognize that the vast majority of the brain is moving in an automatic evolutionary response, is moving in an automatic habitual way. Mm. And one of the most frustrating things is for modern man and woman, uh, although I always joke it kind of keeps me in a job, but you know, in all seriousness, we need to recognize that. The the vast majority of the brain has no intellect. We do, Mm. of course we do. But it is tiny in comparison to the rest of the brain. Absolutely minuscule. And the rest of the brain has no intellect. It's not looking for change. It's not looking to evolve. It's just keeping doing the same thing, the same habitual behaviour, that same response over and over and over again. And from an evolutionary point of view, that's very good. It's very important. It keeps things moving. It keeps us breathing. It keeps my hands moving around. It keeps us blinking. It keeps the body temperature, temperature regulated. It works out my problems that I have in my mind. All these different things. So it's, it's tremendously important. But really the understanding of of, of the key difference, really, there of the, the, the conscious part, subconscious, the in, and how much of what we do is driven habitually. So, what does that mean? In reality, it's like why am I keep smoking when I don't want to? Why do I keep drinking too much red wine on a school night? Why do I keep uh, eating those cream buns? And there's different reasons for them, of course, with dopamine rush. Why do I keep eating jaffa cakes when I don't want to be doing it? Why have I not started the gym when I want to? Why why have I not changed job? All these different things, of course, and it's because the the large aspect of the habitual behaviour is, is moving forward, which is why change is simple. It's just not an easy thing to do. Of mm-hmm. course, that's what I explain about in, the, in terms of three Ps and the, and the repetition, uh, marginal gains, and why we why we we need these things and why it's important to do that. But yeah, so that's that's the evolution response mm-hmm. and the, yeah. how the brain how the brain works in, in one.
0: Mm. That's fascinating. You were saying like most of the brain is, isn't actually that intelligent. That's when you, when you say <laughs> that it's like i oh,
1: okay. not no. that's,
0: that's fascinating.
1: Yeah. Um, Virtually, so, all
0: Virtually all of it. <laughs> well, mine at least. <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, when you were saying about all that stuff, kind of builds up, and that analogy that you, you we'll talk about now, then is that, that kind of stress bucket. I remember this from the first time mm-hmm. we spoke, and and yeah i'm much uh, i'm definitely like a visualized person so i really like that kind of image of of that bucket you know overflowing and it, it helped me mm-hmm. anyway in my day-to-day since our first conversation um, mm-hmm. like a, a year ago now um yeah to be able to just visualize it and be like do you know what i can feel that bucket filling up so so for everyone else what what is that what is that second principle the stress bucket and yes. how how important is that to, to understand what that is
1: yeah, sure. Yeah, it's vitally important, vitally important. And once you get it, as you say, you can actually start to make sure you do the things that's going to empty it uh, mm-hmm. or do the things. make sure you do the things that don't fill it up uh, mm-hmm. as well. So so the stress bucket is an analogy for the area um, called the hippocampus, which you spoke about, which again, if you remember, is in the kind of the lower area, the, the kind of the primitive part of the brain. And it's a little library, if you like. It stores all the memories in there, um, all the books in the library. So to say, the very simple way to think about it is: when your bucket is full, then you're in your lower area of the brain, which means you're not functioning properly. You're not thinking clearly. You're emotionally, you're over-emotionalizing things. Doesn't mean that you don't have emotion. You don't have empathy for people, obviously, or for situations. But you you have a lack of control. I mean, you have an empty bucket. You're in the top region of the brain. If you have an empty bucket. So nothing in there. You're calm, relaxed, you motivated, you're being more productive, uh, and, and you're doing all the things that, that you should be doing, etc. So, what is it that fills up your bucket? What is it mm-hmm. that fills up things? Now, of course, there is large um, life events, bereavements, loss of job. It's gonna fill up your stress bucket quite a lot, uh, if you like. But generally, what it is is overthinking, over worrying, and overanalyzing. So, And that can be future-based, present, or the past. And, of course, sometimes the future-based can just be today or tomorrow morning or this afternoon when you've got to do that presentation that you don't want to do. But whatever it may well, it doesn't have to be years or 10 years or, or months in the future, and again in the past. So what's actually happening is, is the more that you overthink, the more memories, the more that you're thinking about, the more memories, the more things that you're putting into your bucket and it can be anything. It can be key performance indicators. It can be being overwhelmed. It can be targets. It can be it can be just the perception of events. It doesn't even have to be real. Um, and some people, of course, are perhaps more susceptible to overthinking, over worrying, Over Overanalyzing over often is for architects, accountants, um, the military. It um, doesn't have to be but people who are quite perfectionist, if you like. You know, they're trying to think, oh, God, is this going to work? Is this absolutely right? Um, overthinking, over worrying, of course, again, And there's no necessarily specific businesses or trades to that, but uh, uh, people who care quite a lot often overthink and overworry what what other people think of themselves a bit too much uh, as well. And what that does is is, is when the the tap drips on, if you like, is the tap is dripped on the bucket and it just drips in more and more and more. And what happens is you start to lose a little bit of the personal control in, in the higher regions of the brain. And you start to kind of push down as the bucket lives so it fills up more half three quarter full you start to live a little bit more in the, in the lower regions of the brain and generally what happens is it catches people out and people will often say to me uh, if it's a, a one-on-one they'll say you know i was absolutely fine and all of a sudden it just kind of went and i think well you know it probably wasn't that unless you've had some it's have just been in a car accident or you know you've just lost a loved one or something then actually it's an accumulation of your thought patterns and, and how you're um, associating those with the world around you and your perception of the events that are happening that are going on if you like that's really what it is and that's really what's um, pushing pushing that bucket up and pushing you down into lower, um, lower regions of, of the brain so um, Again, just once and uh, once again, full bucket not in control, empty bucket in control. But mm. making sense?
0: Yeah. So if you get that kind of person like that has that, you know, I was fine, and then it just snapped you. So in your point of view, it, it will always get into that point, but maybe the snapping was the second where it, it overflowed. It's like so. The symptoms would they were they likely to be there? Like we we were probably already snappy, already stressy, or over- yeah, and people
1: stuff. can feel it, you know, but people put it down to situational, you know, I've been stressed for a long time because I've got these issues at work and things like that. And of course, that could well be right. But the principles I spoke about before, you know, the three principles of, of depression, anxiety and anger, the principles of, of the points that are on the sliding scale, if you like, sorry, towards that, mm. they're the ones that um, uh, that you need to look out for. So if uh, key principles of of, of, of stress uh, and of, of those type of things um weight loss weight gain or, or, or a fair amount quite quickly mm-hmm. um feeling low feeling lethargic feeling a bit empty feeling on edge feeling stressed of course a lot of people will say well i have quite a lot of them but if it's chronic if it's been there for quite a while if they're feeling that way if they're feeling often people will quite uh, they'll say as well i just don't quite feel myself Mm-hmm. i can't quite put my finger on it i don't know what it is i don't really have a name or a label for it but i know i don't quite feel myself and and, and, and i just need some rest or i just need such and such um uh, so that that's some of the points uh, that um that you kind of need to look out for sharpness again with the loved ones uh, and that feeling most people well virtually everybody knows when they're not quite feeling themselves so what we want to remember as well, because there's life in the tunnel in that sense, is that we have something called REM sleep, rapid eye movement, REM yeah. sleep. And it is is the way that keeps us nice and rational adults. If we didn't have that, then we wouldn't be functioning as a society at all. And what REM sleep does, we have about four REM sleep periods a night. And what it does is it takes all your stresses and strains out of your bucket. So the worries of the day that you've been having it takes them out, if you like, and moves them up into the intellectual cortex where you've got control over it. So, rapid eye movement left, right, left, right. It kind of desensitizes the templates, the emotions around the books, if you like, in the library, around those thoughts that you've had. So, you know, sometimes you've had a, have a disagreement with somebody at work or whatever, and then you, you go home at night you talk to your partner a loved one or whatever, you know, your parents you say, God, you know what they said to me today? And they go, do worry about it. But you go to bed at night and you're worrying, you're frustrated about it. You go to sleep thinking about it. Well, at night what happens is you rerun events of the day, either unclear or metaphorically, that kind of funny strange dreamlike state. And it changes it from being that angry, anxious, annoyed memory that's been stuck in the bucket with emotion attached. It diffuses the emotion around about it, moves it up into the intellectual cortex and the lower area of the brain to the higher area of the brain importantly of course as you know there where you have control over it so you know you wake up the next day and you're just like oh, i feel fine oh they're all right anyway you know that way everything has been dealt with yeah. that kind of saying if you sleep on it then things are when you always feel better the next day that is our natural way for dealing with the stress and strain of our bucket the issue is is that we're restricted to about 20 percent in terms of a REM sleep. So you can see where the problem comes that if you fill your bucket up by 21% every day and then you empty it by 20. Mm. You fill it up by 21 and you empty it by 20. It's as if that tap's just dripping in, and that's how it catches people out. That tap's dripping in, things are not quite working right, etc. etc. Then all of a sudden they're just in a bit of a space because that 1% of your leg like, has been building up and up and up. And now they get to a point where they think you know there's something not right here and I'm not making the right decisions. My mind's not clear. Um, I'm not being productive at work. My boss has had me in and saying such and such. You know we've had a we've had a talk and I don't know what to do about it because I want to be fun- I want to be um, functioning and you know I want to work but I don't know what's wrong with me. Worries at work, worries at home. But I shouldn't be like this. All these different sort of things and 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 it, as we go on. Uh, um, is how to keep the bucket empty, if you like, as well, and uh, and um, and how to make keep it uh, to make sure it stays empty. That's kind of moving on uh, in more detail, in uh, and, uh, and the further of uh, the further six points. But just to give everybody a bit of an understanding, of course, um, that there is a natural way that we empty it, which is REM sleeping, But also, when you start to stop uh, negatively thinking, when you start to put your foot down yourself, I metaphorically mean, speaking and really start to take control of your mind. Again, this is easier said than done sometimes, but it's not that challenging. I've done it myself, done it with many thousands and thousands of people. Once you start to take control of your mind, start to recognize that you must think positively and, and make sure that you do the things that are going to create serotonin. make sure you do the things that give yourself that period of time that raise you up into higher areas of the brain. And the bucket will empty, you'll get to the right places, it'll empty more and more and you'll live in a higher part of the brain and the momentum will carry you in that way, you'll sleep better which means you'll exercise more, which means you're more refreshed, which means you're more motivated and then the spiral will keep going upwards so it's it's easy enough um, of of how to get out of it uh, as well
0: Hmm. And and I remember reading an article a while ago or a video I can't remember what it was but about um, staying in that kind of that period of that you, you, the bucket being full and and being in that that stressed position um yeah. releases all those kind of chemicals that you were talking about and and stuff yeah. happens in our body where our brain says okay we need our legs more than we need other parts of our body because we're ready yeah. to run away so actually yeah. over a period of time it becomes unhealthy is 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 that it does it.
1: absolutely and, and it clouds the mind so again Let's put it into a dangerous situation. You and I, 100,000 years ago, a saber-toothed tiger roaming around. And it's actually just eaten one of our tribesmen or tribeswomen two weeks ago. We're not going to stand there and go, oh, I wonder if it's going to eat us. Do you think it's going to eat us? Do you think we'll be okay? We don't have time to think. So what happens is the, the intellectually in the brain needs to be clouded. It needs to be clouded to make sure that we don't make these decisions. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is be in the lower region of the brain, amygdala, fight, Flight or freeze, and in the instance of a saber-toothed tiger eating people, it's going to be um, flight, (laughs) it's going to be running away. Now, the chemical, amongst others, one of them is called corticotropine, which is a chemical which basically clouds and floods the top area of the brain so that you can't think clearly and you just do the the fight-you-flight. It's a perfect one for if you've ever um, known anyone who is really panicky who's doing public speaking, they can't do it, they need to get out of there. Um, or have you ever that kind of feeling, you know, oh, I can't think, I can't think straight, um, I, I lost all what I was supposed to be saying, that's what that is, mm. um, basically. like the, the chemicals are being cloudy. Now, that's, again, great from a survival point of view, but not so good when you're using machinery um, mm. uh, and you cut your thumb off or, or you cut your hand or, or you're using... Um, vehicles with other people you know forklift trucks and you're losing and you're um using it right close proximity to other people and how accidents happen because Mm -hmm. the brain because of that there's no saber to tiger obviously but that that one percent that one percent it keeps on going so eventually gets people into that space where their brains more cloudy they're not thinking clearly they're not thinking as clearly as they are mistakes happen and then difficult things happen and problems Mm -hmm. happen after
0: that i think we can all kind of uh, well i think most of us can kind of acknowledge when we're in that that kind of anger based set of frame set you know you drive like you you said about the forklift driving driving without actually thinking about what you're doing so like let's move on to the next principle then and then like sure so but you've got like belief fear fear decision making when I was kind of looking into that and, and, and the conversations we've had before, um, to me it kind of sounds like self confidence. Like, is it more than that? Am I completely off off bat? Or? No,
1: I mean, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, what, what language is important, and and the word confidence, um, a, is used for many many things. It's such a broad range word, mm. um, but absolutely. Confidence leads to positive experiences and and confidence building. It's but it can, it can relate to so many different aspects of, of an individual But I completely agree with you and you're absolutely on the right point Yeah, it is confidence and but there's more to it in terms of, we'll come to fear first of all So the, the fear links very much into the evolutionary response again in the survival aspect And there's a saying by Joseph Campbell is that the fear the cavey fear to enter hold the treasure you seek mm-hmm. so in other words the thing that you want to do, you know you want to be there, you know you want to start your new business, you, you know you know, you want to leave that job, you know you want to go for the promotion, whatever it is, you know that the cave um, holds that treasure but you fear to enter it anyway and again it's very much of that evolutionary response, it's that fight flight thing it also depends where's your bucket, how full is your bucket it means you're less likely to make those strong confident decisions. The more empty your bucket, the more in your your intellectual cortex, the less the less excuse you, the less <laughs> Sorry. the less the less, um, the less fear you are, and the more confident you are in, in terms of making decisions. But fear, I did a large study not that long ago, maybe about four months ago now, um, huge, yeah, fairly large enough, definitely, and 85 percent of the people uh, in terms of the, the 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 top one or two things that stop them doing whatever it is that they want to do to create freedom in their life to create the changes that they want remember change is simple it's just not an easy thing to do so they know what to do but something's holding them back what is it that's holding them back fear Mm. fear of uh, the unknown fear of letting someone else down fear of letting themselves down fear of being embarrassed i mean uh, it's endless of course but it all comes down to that feeling within and, and, and why they're
0: feeling like that I think it's, it's like it's always fear from from my point of view, and it probably isn't there's probably so much more to it but like mm. I always think like it's, it's all for me anyway it always feels like a fear of something you know whether it's asking yeah. for a, a promotion you know asking for some more money it's that fear of, of somebody you know just being told no I remember listening to a podcast and they had this gentleman and I can't remember his name for the life of me but he was trying to start his own business and he was scared of being told no so he set himself a challenge of asking for crazy stuff for free so he would start by just asking for little stuff going to McDonald's and say hey can I have a double cheeseburger yeah of course you can I don't want to pay for it and being told no like he would (laughs) ask purposely to not pay for things and he ended up in like posh London, you know, 25-star restaurants and shit, and going, I would like the seventh-course meal, um, but I don't want to pay for it. And they would obviously say no, but he did it to lose the fear of and And the public speaking thing, which you talk about, you've said about quite a few times, that such a big fear for some people, yeah. it's like it's, oh, it's such a big part of our lives isn't it like that constant it
1: really is no I, I love that i think i might have heard of that one before actually and 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 what you're saying is absolutely right and and but also um he would never lose the fear he would lose the fear of rational things like for example you know you're not going to get eaten by saber to tigers when you're speaking publicly so you can lose that fear but of course if you're at the edge of a cliff and somebody's trying to push you off then you're not going to lose that fear so mm. certain things that you can lose that you can't lose but but, but the fear of, of change is really what it is creating change and of course to move anywhere forward in your life you have to do something different so you're you're going yeah. to create change and so what we have to kind of recognize and, and almost be friends with the fear and And if you you ask anyone, any successful person in any walk of life, whatever it is, have they ever had any fearful feelings or or doing things that they don't want to do, um, then they absolutely have. And if they say they haven't, then they're lying. Because it's a a human response to have the fear. And what we want to do is a a term that one of my mentors told me about, it's called the terror barrier. As, as soon as you walk closer, like the fear, as soon as you get closer and closer to that terror barrier, you want to kind of almost, you get closer and closer, and then you go, oh, and you kind of bounce back off again. Mm. And you move into that feeling of relative safety. But you're not really because you've not done that thing that you want to do. So what you have to do is get your head down and crash through that terror barrier. Because when you're on the other side, actually, you feel so much better. And mm. any of your uh, the, the listeners and viewers and yourself, of course, have done that before. You know those times when you've just done that thing, whatever it is, and how much better you feel on the other side. And what do you do, of course? You then decide, well, actually, I want more. Actually, I want a bigger promotion. Actually, I want to move to a different job. And you go through the whole process again. So does it get slightly easier? Yes, Um, particularly if you're asking for, you know, seven-course meals and whatever for free. (laughs) But we know there's no real danger in that. Um, So you're going to change that in your mind. But what we have to do is get used to it. Do I feel fear? Absolutely. Do I let it stop me? Never. And mm. it's just recognizing that, um, that uh, and actually, something the big, you know, the bigger the fear, the bigger the prize. Mm. So it's one thing recognizing that that's what stops us, but also, because some again, some of the people uh, listening, they might be a bit like, oh yeah, but sometimes we often think that we are different. We often think, yeah, I know, but the plenty of people who talk. Publicly, and they're never frightened, or there's plenty of people that do this, and we tend to kind of measure ourselves off everybody else. Yeah. But actually, there's no need to do that because um, uh, everybody feels it in different ways, of course, but everybody feels it. So, whoever's listening, whoever's watching, um, do not worry. You are the same as everybody else, same as me, as you, James, as everybody, uh, and it's absolutely fine. No worries mm-hmm. at all.
0: I think you're right, and I think it's it's, it's different things as well for different people, isn't it? So I'm I'm not very good with heights. Never have been. Mm -hmm. I can I can try and as much as I can deal with it, depending on my surroundings. I might suck it up, pigeon chest it, and just try and go for it, (laughs) man up, as they say. Um, But but like public speaking, don't get me wrong. I still have that fear every time it gets to a bigger a bigger crowd or uh, a, diff, a, a new thing we're talking about, maybe a new training course or the, f- the first keynote or something like that. You get that fear, but some people can deal with some things better. Like, and, and put that into context, I can deal with a public speaking fear quite well. Um, but what I can't deal with well is uh, what I never used to be able to do was roller coasters, right? Mm. Just don't like them. I just died mm. for, for a very long for, pretty much my entire life up until I would say, I can't remember how many years ago now, but went to Universal Studios a few years ago in America and went with family. Good visit, isn't it? Oh, phenomenal. But if I didn't Mm -hmm. go on any rides, it would have been a waste of a lot of money. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. So I went there and, you know, I made it quite clear to my now wife and and her family, uh, who was two kids, two very small kids, uh, and um, and her dad and stepmom. I don't, I don't do roller coasters. Now, the stepmom didn't, so she, she didn't either. So she always just kind of stood with the bags, and I thought, oh, I could, I could do that. I could stand with the bags. And then I got there, and I thought, wow, look at this place. That <laughs> yeah, no, was amazing. When, it? when you said about that terror barrier, that's exactly what it was. That's exactly mm. what it was. And I got there, and I thought, I need to, I need to run at this. I need to just go. Yeah, yeah. I remember saying to Ella, uh, Sherry's sister, and just said, what's the worst one? What's the, worst on this <laughs> what's the worst one and, and she went the hulk and i was like let's, do it. let's go let's do, let's do that one first i, I, um, I like with, with family i normally i'm like yeah i'm easy i won't make a decision but i put my foot down and i went i need to go on that one first because if i do yeah. that if i don't like it i know but if i don't yeah. like the worst one i might try the little ones yeah like, If i do this yeah. i like it that's it it's going to be a great yeah i tell you what I did mm. it fucking loved it and that was it i was on every single one afterwards i was like <laughs> get me on the next one but, you know,
1: yeah it's really exactly. It. it's a perfect example of it really is i might use that one again It was a brilliant example and the and the, the freedom you have on the other side which of course mm. we're talking about the change ultimately this is about the six key principles of change um, and it's about yeah, what are you getting on the other side of that? You've got change. You now have freedom to do a different thing that you that you had fear around.
0: So yeah, it's mm. great, fantastic. But you're right though. It doesn't it doesn't go like that? That fear is still there. Like I still have mm. to really convince myself. We went to. Uh, Disney a couple of days later and they had another ride that was much more vertical like it was like up mm. and then straight down and unfortunately it closed but I could feel in my chest the fear was coming back because this ride mm-hmm. was completely different um, mm. and then you've got that elevator one as well that drops and we couldn't get on that either. yeah I could feel the fear coming back and so you're right it doesn't go but but that that barrier thing was a great a great example yeah. So what about, yep. like, belief and decision-making
1: then? Yes. So um, belief um, is tremendously important. I mean, I put these three together in here because they're, kind of, they're smaller but they're not. But actually, belief is tremendously important. Belief underpins everything. Again, did you believe you can go on that roller coaster or did you not? Well, you did believe it. So you hear me talking about thoughts create feelings, feelings create actions, and actions produce our results. And and uh, thoughts really is the foundation, along with our thoughts. It really is sort of belief is a is really at the beginning with the, our thoughts. Uh, with that, so do you do do the individuals watching listening? Do they believe that they can change? Because if they don't, they won't. Do they believe? Do they have a little inclination? They can change. Do they believe um, they can be that better version of themselves? Whatever that may that may well be. Um, it's tremendously important. And um, there's kind of, a key point as well with belief which is fantastic because it's so so important it's absolutely vitally important to have belief but the most wonderful thing is it's easy to strengthen a belief because a statement goes a belief is only a thought you keep thinking that's mm-hmm. all it is so if you keep thinking it if you keep thinking it Roller coasters are easy. Roller coasters are easy. Roller coasters are easy. I love roller coasters. I love roller coasters. <laughs> it sounds a bit funny to begin with. It sounds a bit crazy. The affirmations you've probably heard of them before. You keep doing that, and eventually your brain will change. Because remember, what's happening? We we'll go back to evolution response. Consciously, you have one or two or three or four actions a second. Subconsciously, you get forty thousand. Mm. So you need to impregnate, in very commas, your conscious to subconscious. The habitual behavior is I don't like roller coasters. If you continually consciously impregnate the subconscious, you continually think about the new belief, and eventually it sinks down and then the new belief comes. That's what neuroplasticity is the term. I think the guys know that. And the mind is malleable, it will change, but you need to continue to impregnate, which is partly what about repetition is about, of course. So just think about the new belief, write it down, think about it often. Get it in your mind, become it, be it, and that belief will eventually change, and you will become that new belief. Without it,
0: that kind of reminds. I can't remember what the full thing was, but I listened to something the other day, and they said like, um, if you if you have an idea, you're like ninety percent chance of not doing it. If you have an idea and write it down, you're like eighty percent chance of not doing it, and then if you you were to print it out, put it on the fridge, you're like 60% chance, and it kept going. And then if, if you put a reminder in your phone, you're like 30% chance of not doing it. So your percentage chance, each time you did something... Um, reduced of not doing it so actually you're more likely to do it um yeah. so that kind of reminded yeah. me of that as well so what what does that lead yeah. us to like decision making then is that, do we need that kind of belief and to, to be able to make those decisions yeah you sure yeah, yeah
1: it? exactly and it all tie they all tie in together absolutely decision making is very very important if you want freedom you need to break through the terror barrier you need mm-hmm. to believe it um uh, you need to have the confidence you need to empty your bucket provision you to, to make the correct decisions to make the decisions that are going to Change your job, and um, go for the promotion, um, you know whatever it may well be. Start your own business, um, make those necessary changes. Move house, um, you know whatever. It is. Leave your partner. Sometimes these type of things, whatever it may well be, you need to be in the top area. Of the correct frame of mind, decision making is what winners are. Mm. Winners in life, in any walk of life, are decision makers. Find any winner in life, whatever walk of life that is. And, and find out if they make decisions or they don't, find out if they make decisions quickly. Just, the statement goes is that they, they make decisions quickly and change their minds slowly.
0: Mm. So
1: it's very much like, right. this is what we're doing and we're getting on with it. No, should we do that? I don't know. And then they do, do it. well, I don't know if it's gonna work. Should we do something else? And that kind of lack of confidence, again, that you were bringing up there, it kind of sits around about that. Often people will always say, what well, do you think? Do you think it should do it? Mm. Do you think it should do it? Um, and it's just a lack of confidence. But decision making affects your personal life. Decision making affects your professional life, um, and it's what leads to that kind of procrastination, um, lethargy, less productive. So again, again, in those lower regions of the brain, when your bucket is full, you're more likely, less likely to make decisions, and you're more likely to be a bit wishy washy, etc. So, not decision making is success. Mm-hmm. Making quick strong not rash the quick strong positive decisions when you're in the correct frame of mind is the thing that's going to move you on and you, as you know you've done it yourself before i have you know those decisions and you eventually make them you go why did we not make that decision six months ago
0: mm.
1: why didn't we do that why didn't we make that move a year ago or whatever it is and it's just the procrastination so yes to finish that point three off um decision making is, is vitally important
0: mm. I, do you know? I think that resonates so heavily with with like my kind of profession as a as a kind of safety professional, health safety professional, whatever you want to call us. Um, we, I think, I, well, it depends on the culture of your business. Obviously, it depends on your environments, how the business is set up, and so much. But I think we constantly kind of go through this battle where sometimes we're seen as the people that would make a decision as the competent safety experts or whatever. Mm. But but we're trying to advocate that we're not the people to make the t- decisions. We're the people to advise and guide yeah. and coach and partner. And, and we come to this kind of um, bottleneck, I suppose, where people want us to make the decision. And and sometimes that's, that's because of fear of... of being reprimanded or because you're talking about health and safety and sometimes if it's something really dangerous you you know you, you as a maybe an operations manager don't feel right to make that decision i suppose maybe it's part of your personality as well and I think for us as safety professionals, sometimes I think we do have to be that person that's in the group and we collect the data and we will talk as much as need it is necessary to say like, right, what's the situation? What's the problem? How bad's it going to be? And what's the likelihood that that bad situation will happen? I mean, we're talking the basics of risk assessment here, but sometimes I find that we as safety professionals should be the ones to turn around and say, we've got to do this. We just do it, mm. and and it's hard to for, for me in my personal life as well. It's kind of like make a decision, and then it's but like, well, you know you made that decision. What if it's not the right decision? Like, it's it's okay to be the wrong decision. Just to be quick enough to acknowledge that it was the wrong decision and say, hey, it was the wrong decision. I've made a new decision, or we'll see if this one works out. It's really hard for us as safety professionals to do that because sometimes we are dealing with uh, people's injuries their lives you know it's a big impact and does that play into it like this obviously it does but like from your point of view that kind of severity of how bad things can go wrong so maybe like starting a business for example or a safety professional making a risk a life risk decision if you start a business and it goes wrong you could affect the life of your wife children husband whatever and same as health and safety if you make a decision it's the wrong decision it's like, shit, someone's lost a hand or something like that.
1: Yeah, no, I get that. And um, there's always a right decision or a wrong decision to be made. There is there is time to make decisions. I understand completely when the severity is, look, if we the decision that we are going to make might endanger someone's life or might not, um, then absolutely. Um, but, you know, and, and that's a, almost a separate conversation, how often do those things come up? I suppose, as you say in the health and safety world, what you're talking about there reasonably often. In terms of that, yes, I understand, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a second opinion or a third or a fourth opinion, absolutely, but I suppose, um, and, and that's the kind of, we'll call it the extreme, and of course that might be some of the listeners' daily actions, even though mm. they're extreme actions, that might be the ones that they're making quite often. But in a generalised term, in terms of of, of, of change within you as an individual um, and making the decisions that you should make, you know, very often they're not life or death. Um, and they might be big decisions, as you say moving somewhere else, moving job, et cetera. Um, um, but generally, it's the fear that's holding people back from making mm-hmm. those decisions in general.
0: And, and at some point, I mean, I think if you're asking yourself if a decision needs to be made, whether it is... Um or, or you're having those conversations that, that result in a decision need to be made. It's probably a better way to say it. Um, mm. Well, that, that's an indicator that something is isn't currently right. Whether the matter mm. of the risk, it's like if if you're talking about changing yourself, maybe, and tra- or changing a business or the process, or well, it doesn't really matter, I suppose. But if you're having that conversation, somebody has raised a concern, or something's gone wrong, or you're not happy, you're not comfortable with it, mm. whatever. But that implies that a decision needs to be made. So if you don't suck it up and make a decision, then I suppose you'll never know. I I exactly. feel like we as an industry are stuck in that. Like I feel mm. like there's a big debate at the moment about like safety differently and safety too. And we've discussed it at lengths with loads of other people on the podcast. But it's quite there's a lot of people who say, Oh, they're unproven and that, you know, there's no case study to say this stuff works, but it's like, well, there was no case study to say normal health and safety worked. The first time somebody proposed it, there was no case study to say that the light bulb worked until it worked. But it's the same thing. Yeah, you know? exactly. I suppose we've got to make a decision, go with it. If it doesn't work, we say, "Hey, this didn't work. Let's go back and we start again."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: So, okay, let's end um, number uh, uh, num- part one. Let's call it part one Hit there. Okay, guys, make sure you come back next week to check out part two of this little mini series with David to find out what the rest of the steps are in this system or this framework of David's uh, and how to enact kind of positive change on your life, business, etc. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to click like or subscribe or whatever kind of positive centered buttons are on your platform we would really appreciate it helps us spread the word helps us get out there for more and more people talking about spreading the word if you can think of three people to share this podcast with please do that please try and help other businesses listen to amazing people like David and learn about David's systems etc to help them Um, So yeah, please think of three people you can share this podcast with and do it. If you do it, don't forget to tag us in the share or screenshot it and send it over to us so we can give you a shout out. If you're on iTunes, uh, don't forget to leave us a rate and review. And if you can do a rate and review on your other platforms, then please do. It helps us help other people. So Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. I'll catch you next week. Safe. Hey one! just a quick message from our affiliate program. Using DRM's online course, you can learn to move away from feelings of anger and frustration and get yourself some lasting positive change. Click the link in the description of this episode to get yourself a discount. And thank you for listening to Rebranding Safety.